This is Stephen Strang, and welcome to my God and Cancel Culture podcast. Today, I deal with a different type of cancel culture. It doesn't have to do with politics so much, although politics gets involved. But it comes from people who advocate a homosexual lifestyle and seem to resent it when people want to leave the lifestyle or when they call it sin. It's something that's not that new. But my guest today, Ann Polk, has experienced cancel culture in her own way. And you will hear her tell her story of how she came to faith in Christ and how things have evolved over time. But it's serious, and I know that you're going to want to listen to my interview with her that I also ran on my Strang Report podcast, but I felt it was very important to put it here. I'm so happy to be able to interview Ann Pollock, who I have known for a number of years and admired from afar, knowing that your work is not easy, knowing that it's very important. And I'll just say right up front that I am a donor to your ministry. I personally believe in what you're doing because there is so much sexual brokenness in the world. And to some extent, I guess there has been all the way back to the book of Genesis, but somehow with the Uh, liberal society we live in, and especially with the proliferation of pornography and social media, it just seems to be everywhere. So why would people care if you're helping the sexually broken? That's a great question. I think the modern culture is essentially, if they don't like what they hear from you, they'd prefer to just cancel it out and they just don't listen. So they don't even want to know the beneficial things, they've come up with a scheme to minimize the the message of hope in Jesus, because I think they don't want to have people leaving homosexuality or transgenderism. Um, It brings conviction on those who want to remain in the the different patterns of living. And um, that's awkward and uncomfortable. And people don't want to hear that something is sin. Uh, So they want to actually silence voices. That's a They don't want to hear conviction. That, I believe, is the main reason. Well, I think that that is good insight. And, of course, we only have to look at history of when the Protestants got in power in England. Uh, You know, this was around the time of King James. Uh, They would try to eliminate the Catholics, and then the Catholics get in power, and they try to do away with the Protestants. You know, even in the early history in our country with this revival history and so forth, there were always people who just hated the church and would curse and do all kinds of things. And so maybe this is part of human history, but it seems concerning to me that some of these things are now being codified into law in some ways. But before we get into that, why don't we talk about you and your ministry? Because you have a very interesting story that led to the ministry you have today. Why don't you uh, share that with my listeners? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Stephen. And thank you for your your support in so many ways, including having me on today. And that's that's a joy to be with you. So thank you, Stephen. I've appreciated and admired you from afar for a long time. So I just wanted to mention that, um, yeah, when I was little, I was molested at age four by a teenage boy in my neighborhood. And that continued for a little bit. And what I saw in response, I felt this rejection of myself as a girl at a young age, as if that would protect me. 
And I didn't tell anybody. The, the young man told me not to tell because we'd both get in trouble. And so I didn't want to get in trouble. Um, so I didn't tell my parents. Of course, they would have protected me. And that would have been very helpful. And the guy would have gotten in a lot of trouble. Unfortunately, as a little kid, you don't know all these things. You just go with what you think or feel. So that went on for a while. But what happened in my soul is I felt shame. I felt guilt for something that was perpetrated on me. And I felt unsafe as a girl. And that's what led to me ending up in the lesbian lifestyle. Just a couple of years later, a little girl made a pass at me. We were just playing a, a game, like a pretend you're this person or that person. And she said, oh, pretend to be the husband and I'll pretend to be the wife. And then she came over and kissed me. And I thought, okay, wow. Well, I, that didn't feel like dangerous, like the previous experience I'd had with the boy. So that set me up for lesbian feelings later on in life. Um, and they grew and continued. And the interesting thing about, about that is that I am indeed a girl. I need to connect and see being a girl as being a good thing. But as a little girl, I just couldn't connect the dots. And so as I went through junior high, I was I remained a tomboy when all the other girls did a leap into from tomboyish behavior into, oh, let me do my hair and my makeup and let me see, oh, he's handsome and so on. Well, I couldn't make that leap. I was I had other burdens that I was carrying that made it difficult. So in high school, I had a couple of little experiences with gals. I also tried dating boys that didn't work, uh, went away to college, embraced homosexuality. I'd had this much experience, just a little tiny bit understanding of what, you know, church or what the scripture said. Um, I'd never even heard the gospel about Jesus coming to die for our sins and to redeem us to himself. That was just vacant and all that church experience. But when I went away to college, what little I knew of God, I tossed out. And then he didn't just allow me. He didn't just go away. He actually showed up in dreams. Jesus, I had dreams about Jesus as a freshman in college at UC Santa Barbara, a total party school. As I was running into embracing homosexuality, he showed up. And then I asked all my friends, I don't care what denomination, Catholic, Protestant, not one of them could answer my questions like, who did Jesus say he was? Um, why? Would I defend him in front of my Jewish friends, for example? What is going on with me? What's wrong with me? I'm trying to embrace homosexuality here. <laughs> my, my hopes were all in that bucket, and yet God was pursuing me. So it wasn't really working very well. Then finally, I got in a, in a, a campus ministry called um, Campus Ambassadors. They had a, a group on campus at the college that was covering all the questions I was asking. And it was called evangelism training. So as a non-believer, as someone who didn't know the Lord himself, um, I went to this class. At the end of six, eight weeks, they were praying. We talked about a whole bunch of topics. If God is good, how can evil exist, et cetera. And those things really led me to the point of understanding that Christianity actually answered the biggest questions that I had. There was something to this. And then as we were praying, I sensed the Holy Spirit. God was in the room. He was in the room. This is a Baptist student ministry. <laughs> and God showed up. And I knew that someone of great authority and kindness was in the room. 
and he was weaving in and out amongst the prayers of the saints. But amongst me, around me, there was a vacant hole. It was, he wasn't in my life. And he showed me that too. So it only took a couple hours after the pastor had shared with me how to pray to receive Christ that I joyfully and fearfully did that at my, back at my apartment. And that began a whole new life. I felt like I was someone who was finally plugged in, full of joy, full of excitement, full of energy. I felt like I was plugged, like an appliance on a, a countertop doesn't work if it's not plugged in. Well, that was Anne, apart from the salvation experience, apart from the Lord and the Holy Spirit. I was not plugged in, but once I did pray that, woo, it was exciting. That started a whole new life. It wasn't easy uh, getting to where I am today, but uh, the joy of God has been in it with me all these years. So from 19 to, well, 50s. So <laughs> God is good. Well, that is so exciting. And it's of course, as a believer, you know, we love these stories, the stories of where you have questions and God reaches sure. out and, and draws you into himself. And, you know, there are probably some people, let's say atheists, for example, that think any kind of religious experience or religious conversion is just stupid. And uh, of sure. course, we have religious freedom in this country, so they don't really stop us from doing it. But you have gotten involved in a, in a ministry called Restored Hope Network. So you're trying to restore hope for people and networking with people around the country. I'm assuming this is how you came up with the title. And it's, it's basically helping others who struggle with some level of same-sex attraction, yet you have come under attack and even been canceled. Could you kind of explain to me what happened and what are the steps ahead? Absolutely. Restored Hope is a coalition of ministries across the U.S. We have them in Florida. We've got them in Washington State. We're all over the place. Um, I happen to be the leader of the headquarters of Restored Hope Network because I left homosexuality and all the other team and counselors and pastors, they know that God moves in people's lives. But anyhow, that is threatening to certain people. And they don't want to hear the message of transformation, the message of restoration in a person's life. So, um, yes, I've been canceled. My book that I put out with Harvest House Publishers was removed from Amazon in 20, I can't remember what year. Was it 2016, I think? 2018, it could have been. What is the title of the book and is it available anywhere? It is available in many different places, happily, but it's not on the world's biggest bookseller site. Um, it's called Restoring Sexual Identity, Hope for Women Who Struggle with Same-Sex Attraction. It's a bit of a long title. Restoring Sexual Identity is the, the main title. So that's one thing uh, that came shortly after a news document came out. And then, um, well, earlier in 2014, all of our videos were taken off a, a video site called Vimeo. It was a beautiful website that had a lot of videos. They were high quality videos, like better than even than YouTube, you know. Uh, but Vimeo decided that we were not the kind of group they want to have on their website. So they gave us a little bit of time to remove our videos and then canceled us. That was back in 2014. 2018, 
my book 2019 our facebook restored hope network page was removed we had a many many followers and a whole lot of information just gone overnight they did leave my author page on facebook i hadn't bothered to do anything on it up to that point but most of our uh, people looking for restored hope now look for me on facebook recently the the big thing that happened was our Instagram account was canceled for Restored Hope Network. We just announced what we were doing and our conferences and hopeful comments and, and posts, and yet that was not acceptable to the folks at Instagram. Um, and it really came about because that group from two, three ladies from Southern Poverty Law Center decided to call information they disagree with disinformation. And they called for our page and many other people's pages to be eliminated from from Instagram and many other places like PayPal, for example, or Amazon Smile or you name it. They they created a, a page that took everybody's information, listed the names of the ministries and talked about how they're how they should be purged from platforms some of them being Twitter on Facebook, Google, et cetera. And if we have pages that are searchable on Google's uh, web search, that the search results should be lowered automatically. Um, So there's censoring that you don't even know about happening behind the scenes as well. So why do you think they target your ministry in particular, or is it any ministry that aims at helping people who have same-sex attraction? It's any, they target any groups of people who help people leave homosexuality. They don't mind having pro-gay or going into homosexuality topics on there, but they really do um, protest the fact that there are those who want to help people out who have also experienced that. Even life testimonies are so-called, they're they're considered so-called conversion therapy. In Canada, Uh, They passed a bill criminalizing so-called conversion therapy. That includes things like talking with your pastor about unwanted same-sex attractions, getting prayer from him, private conversations that someone else is offended by. If you happen to share, wow, my life has changed. A lot has happened in my life. Isn't this great? Celebrate with me. And you tell the wrong person. That person who's in the gay life or a family member who's offended can now report such and such pastor, and there can be a $100,000 fine and five years in jail, up to. So when, and it's a felony, it's also found, they placed the law in the the sex uh, trafficking area and the child porn area. So the sex offenses is considered. So in other words, to be a pastor in Canada, they require you to not have a felony on your account or be a teacher, you can't have a felony. But if you happen to be convicted of this sort of thing, you'll lose your job as a pastor in the in the country of Canada or as an educator. So it really is required is criminalizing Christianity. Has there been any outcry among Christians? Has anyone pushed back? Have there been any victories at all in trying to change this? Yes, there have been some victories. We realize right now that the only way in Canada that that can be pushed back on is to have somebody actually trip the wire of the law and then appeal it to the Canadian Supreme Court, eventually getting up that level. 
the, the legislative systems in Canada are very different than in the US. They don't have freedom to vote any way, which way they want, unless they're given freedom by the head of their, their group. The conservatives have to vote along party lines, have to, unless they're given the freedom to vote according to conscience. That's very rare. They were told in this bill in particular, they would have the freedom to vote the way they want. 15 minutes prior to the vote, they were told they did not have that freedom. So it was a bait and switch event, a whole bunch of things like that happening. But there are many hopeful things, although Australia has followed the same pattern in a couple of provinces as Canada, and the UK is pushing really hard. In fact, this particular woman, Jane Lozan, who is a former evangelical who didn't want same-sex attraction for a while and then reversed her decision, she's working super hard to create a conversion therapy ban bill in the UK. Um, The one that would be comparable in the US would be either they tried state by state until that stalled, and then a number were reversed, including Florida, um, the Tampa Bay situation went all the way up to the, the 11th Circuit Court. And in that appeal, uh, the LGBT community lost and minor counseling for minors was reversed. Uh, the decision to ban it was reversed in three states as a result of that because they have evidenceless claims. Um, they're just making up stories to create a situation where people like myself seem dangerous as opposed to seem reasonable. And that's where they get the impetus for the bans. You seem thoughtful and uh, a person who has compassion, but tell us what you felt like as a, a member of the gay community. Were you happy? Were you not happy? What's happened to your life since I guess you found Christ and since you found hope. You know, my life prior to Jesus was pretty depressed. I was self-centered. I my relationships didn't focus didn't work very well. I was also depressed. I was my life was spiraling downwards. I had no reason to say no to any particular sin. I I I didn't have a good basis for living. I didn't know how to live well. And um Some people probably had better boundaries than I did. I simply didn't when I surrendered to my feelings. And so um, my life was becoming more and more depressed. So when Jesus stepped in, that was a powerful moment of hope, but it didn't just stay as a moment. I now have joy that I never had joy before. I have peace with God and peace with others because of him. My life is exponentially better. Even going through difficulties throughout my life, it's been so much better. I actually have a basis, a foundation for knowing what's right and wrong. I have a foundation for knowing what's good for me and what isn't. And all of those things were lacking prior. Well, that's a wonderful story. And I know that there are many people who are listening who want to find out more about Restored Hope Network, who Maybe you're struggling with things themselves, who admire your story, who want to find out about your ministry. And maybe there are people like me who want to support you financially. So as we wrap up the podcast, I want to give you the last word and also ask that you include how people can contact Ann Polk, particularly 
since you've been canceled in so many venues? Well, thank you, Stephen. If they reach out to us via our website, that would be fantastic. I also can give you the, the email address. Our website address is restoredhopenetwork.org. And there you can find a whole bunch of information and hopeful stories about Jesus impacting many other people's lives as well. Um, to reach me personally, the best way to go would be to write info, I-N-F-O, at restoredhopenetwork.org. Well, that's simple enough. And I want to thank you for taking time to be on my podcast as I am reporting about thing, people and ministries and organizations that are canceled. Usually it has to do with politics in some way, but here's a way that Christians are being canceled, not only by law in, in Canada and Australia, as you mentioned, but with, so, with uh, social networks and so forth. So I'm going to give you the last word. And what is it that Christian people can do who may be concerned about what you've experienced and who want to be helpful? Well, I think the first thing is to pray. If you would pray, that would be amazing. If you follow us um, on our website or whatever is left of uh, social media sites, that would be amazing. But to push back, we really need to stay. We need to stay together and we need to say, no, this is not acceptable. We actually do have the right to speak up, to share God's word and to uh, share the hope that we find in Jesus. Well, thank you. So very well said. And we'll leave it there. And I'll thank my listeners for tuning in today to my podcast. And share this with others. You probably have friends who would like to listen to this. And uh, so far, the podcast has not been canceled. And tune in again tomorrow for another episode on the Charisma Podcast Network. God bless you. You know, Anne said something about we have to stick together, and we really do. And some of it already exists. There are a lot of parts of the body of Christ that, you know, support others. But Anne and others in her network who are doing this work is very thankless. They're ridiculed a lot. There's sort of this feeling that you're doing something wrong if you want to change same-sex attraction. Yet there are many people who feel trapped. And the Bible says that they're, they're trapped by the enemy and they want someone to help them. So I encourage you to support these ministries and to speak up, you know, there are some ways that people are, are pushing back on this. That's why I wanted to have interviews like this, to let my listeners know what they can do. So thank you for listening. Help me get the word out about God and cancel culture. You can go to my website, stevestrangbooks.com. In the book, I don't really deal with this particular topic, but... I'm starting to interview people who have been canceled. And when I ran into Anne recently at a convention and visited with her a little bit and found out her story, I said, would you do a podcast, which I've run on my Strang Report, as I said earlier, and also on God and Cancel Culture. Thank you for your help. Thank you for getting a copy of the book. Thank you for reading it and encouraging your friends to do the same. God bless you.